Welcome back to Purpose Driven Law. I am your host, Amy Berry, and this is your first time tuning in. And today's guest is someone who's very near and dear to my heart. We've been friends in the industry, in the legal industry, for six years, I would say. And she is, if you guys know who Joseph is, she is, um, she's just an incredible person. Someone who is so bold, so courageous, so smart, and intellectually and I am very honored to have her, not be as a friend, but as a colleague and somebody who I look up to in my career. And um, with this episode, I wanted to bring Dina on. Um, we're going to be talking about a pretty sensitive subject here and um, on what is going on in Gaza and Hamas with um, the Israeli people and Palestinian people. And uh, just to hear it from Dina's side, Dina is Jewish, and so just give her a platform to share her story, her voice, her people's voice, and have an, more of an educational understanding on what is currently going on. Um, so this is what the purpose of this platform is, is to share those stories of people who are stepping out boldly and stepping out in their passion and um couldn't think of a better than Dina for this. Um, so with that being said, Dina, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you, Amy, for a, a wonderful introduction. You know, we talked briefly how sensitive this subject matter is, and there's a lot of ignorance around it, a lot of emotions running high, and everyone kind of has their own opinion. So it is really nice to have a platform to kind of at least express what's been going on for me and in my circles. And, uh, you know, being a, a Jewish person after October 7th, I don't think the world will ever really be the same. And I'm, you know, in a unique position, I'm actually a Lebanese Jew. So I'm Arab and I have cousins who are Muslim and Christian. And it is something to, see you know generalizations on both sides that aren't necessarily true and you're know, just a lot of pain and hurt uh, around the world so talking about it in a in an open environment is good and healthy so i'm interested and you know happy to be here yes yes um so why why don't we kind of start from the top and kind of be your on what is currently happening in Gaza and uh, for people like you know me before I hopped on the call like just talking to people from uh, that don't have education on what is happening um, if you if you could start from there that would be great or so obviously there have been land conflicts you know for forever Basically, there there's been ownership issues talking about the land. And I guess depending on what side of the story you're on, your history has taught you one way or another. And according to how I was brought up and everything that's been explained to me factually or what has been represented as fact to me is that land uh, that is now known as Israel was previously inhabited 
by Jews. It wasn't called Israel at first, but, you know, Judea and Jews and Arabs lived cohesively. It was under, you know, a British territory. It was loosely called Palestine, but was never owned as a Palestinian state. And then after the Holocaust, there was actually a two-state solution proposed. Israel for the Jews, the Palestinian state for Palestinian Arabs. And instead of living peacefully, there was a war. Uh, the Jewish people have consistently always agreed to a two-state solution. They've surrendered up land in the name of peace. And, you know, going back to something like that's in the Hamas charter is, you know, death to all Jews. So living peacefully doesn't seem like a solution they're open to and a two-state solution. Whereas previously, it has always been agreed to after peace talks and debates um, by the Jewish people. Actually, I believe it's nine peace treaties have been rejected by the Palestinians, accepted and offered by Israel and rejected by Palestine. Uh that's hard to to think about because it's like, hey, we can have peace. You can have your state. We can have our state. We can live harmoniously next to each other. And they don't want that at all. Uh, so now we've had several ceasefires. And, you know, a ceasefire, you know, neither side would start war. We agree. We can live harmoniously next to each other. And every single ceasefire has been broken by the Palestinians and Hamas. Mm -hmm. There has never been a ceasefire on record that has been broken by Israel. Every conflict, every war has been started with Israel on the defensive. And every time you all equate this to 9-11, you know, we didn't take our shoes off going through the airports and have such high-level security until 9-11. Somebody used our airports, our planes to attack our country. Now we've tightened security to prevent someone from using our planes as weapons. So if you cross the border into, you know, a country and you then attack that country, they're going to strengthen the security on their border. So referring to Palestine as an open air prison because of how strict the border is, well, for years, decades, Palestinians terrorists have crossed that border into Israel and either started shooting or stabbing or suicide bombing. And there have been multiple wars that have started that way. So it's only natural to think, okay, while we're on the defensive, we're going to tighten security. We do it here. It is natural. Other countries have the same procedures to expect someone to consistently get beat up over and over and over again without defending themselves or standing up for themselves is insanity. Actually, like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. It's difficult because, you know, we, you know, Israel, and I say we because every Jew in their soul feels at home in Israel. It is the craziest phenomenon to actually discuss. It is home. There is something that burns inside you that you feel connected to this place 
And I've been there, I've visited, I've had unique experiences. I've been to settlements and actually been in Palestinian villages where I had to go through checkpoints and explain why I was going there. And I do understand to some people why that could be frustrating, just like it's frustrating for me to take my shoes off in the airport and my laptop out. Like, I know that I'm not doing anything wrong, but it's annoying. So yeah, it's annoying. But again, they're protecting their citizens. So I digress, Um, you know, feeling at home in Israel. It is it is challenging to to witness what's happening now and feel helpless. But we're here because there was a ceasefire in place on October 6th and on the morning of October 7th. And at 6 a.m. it was broken. And in the most barbaric and horrific, undeniably grotesque way it's not war against a military they didn't target a military base they target civilian targeted civilians babies moms grandparents and boys and then they videoed it they live streamed and gopro'd and instagrammed and tweeted and tiktok the death of hundreds of people. Oh, how long has, this is a little question, how long has this now or recent war been going on for October 7th? October 7th. October 7th started this war. October 7th. And so can you take us to kind of what conversations are you currently having, you know, with your tight circles on guarding what's happening and guarding these recent events and kind of where we are landed today currently, November 14th. Well, a lot of them are sad. And I'll be honest, I probably cry at least once a day. Mm-hmm. There is an image of this four-year-old boy, this cute little redhead kid that I can't get out of my head and it haunts my dreams. I see him when I close my eyes at night. And there are 240-plus hostages, um, you know, I think 10 of them are under five years old. And I can't for the life of me imagine those kids and the fear that's going through them. And I don't know if they're alive. I don't know what was done to them, but there is video evidence of them being abducted and taken into Gaza. There is a 12-year-old boy who went for a run and returned to his entire family being slaughtered and has no one left on this earth. So those are, unfortunately, the majority of the conversations that I'm having. And I can't open social media without being bombarded with horrific imagery of a music festival that is just like ones that I've attended dozens of times that you've attended and these kids are our age and younger that were literally dancing in the desert for peace and paragliders dropped in and opened fire and convoys showed up and threw grenades and they had nowhere to go and hide 
And when they found a place to go and hide, they threw grenades in there. And you can hear witness accounts of, you know, the six people that survived 40 people hiding in a bomb shelter. And she describes, you know, being in excruciating agony, buried under dead bodies, and knowing that she had to be quiet because they kept coming back, shooting again. And if she moved or screamed, she was going to die. Yeah, I hear dads talking about how when they found their daughter's eight-year-old body and she was dead, they were ecstatic because they knew that being kidnapped by Gaza, you know, by Hamas and taken into Gaza was worse. There are accounts from terrorists that have been captured saying that they wanted to rape their daughters and children and women and coroner reports that are showing pelvises that have been shattered due to brutal sexual assault. Women and babies beheaded. Now it is, it's unimaginable to think about doing those things to another human. Mm -hmm. It's not even something that on your worst day, your maddest moment, you can feel like that's what you want to happen to your enemy. It is sick. It is twisted. It is barbaric. It is inhumane. And to call for a ceasefire because of that, oh, you know, we, we talked about this a little before getting on the call. There was a ceasefire on the morning of the 7th. It's not going to solve the problem. There have been a dozen ceasefires over the years and everyone's been broken by the terrorists that want to wipe Israel off the map. So my friends, oh sorry, no, and which is just Hamas, right? Well, right now it's right now, yeah, the the terrorist group is Hamas, but it it has previously, you know, it's been ISIS, it's there there are there are terrorist organizations or groups that you know are, are the Nazis hated the Jews like mm-hmm. you know unfortunately the hatred of Jews has been around for a long time and there have been wars that have not you know the jews have prevailed we have uh, a ton of holidays and i always joke that like the basis of our holidays are you tried to kill us you failed and now we eat and drink like it's it's comical to an extent but it's like devastating that we have so many i saw a reel on instagram the other day that's like we're going to have another holiday soon. You know, we have a lot. Like we, we already take a few days off work every year, but it's unfortunate. You know, or there's a meme that said, you know, a lot of people are upset that Jews are harder to kill than they were in the past. You know, we have the Iron Dome, thank God, because 100,000 rockets have been shot at Israel. And, you know, we don't, people aren't talking about that because Israel spends their money defending their country and defending their people and it's you know we have the iron dome we have a strong military we have procedures put in place we have bomb shelters all over the country which is bananas by the way mm-hmm. like you could be out and there are bomb shelters for civilians like you like that's for a country to be so prepared because they know that attacks are imminent it's it's actually like crazy to think about and 
Then you have this terror organization that was elected into power in 2006. In 2005, by the way, Israel vacated Gaza. They left Gaza. There were zero Jews left. Zero. None. And when they left, they left all the greenhouses and infrastructure and said, here, have a state. Take this state. Take all of the produce. Take all of the infrastructure. Be able to be self-sustaining. And they broke it all down. They, you know, even even down to like the copper piping, I, I heard and scrapped everything. And But why? Now, well, that's a great question because Hamas, which is the elected uh, organization to, to run the country, the leaders don't live in Gaza. They live in, uh, I think it's Qatar. And they are billionaires. And they take all the money and they you know tell the people and and they're they're educated to hate the jews i've seen clips of what they're learning in in kindergarten and you see these you know middle school and elementary school graduation videos where the kids are dressed up as terrorists killing jews and the tv shows talk about how you know israel is the enemy and what are you going to do if you see a jew and you're going to beat them with a stick and you're going to and it's a cartoon character like, you know, Barney or Sesame Street talking about hating Jews. And no kid is born with evil in their heart. We know this. Kids are innocent and they're pure and they're wonderful. And innocent life lost on both sides is tragic. It's tragic. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I don't weep for the Palestinian mothers who are losing their babies or the families that are being torn apart. Because I do. Like, it's sad on both sides. I don't ever want to see someone who's innocent, you know, lose their life. It's it's awful. But right now we're at war. So to reject peace, to have in your charter and the elected, you know, could you imagine? Could you imagine if the Democratic Party, which is in power, had in their charter that they were going to eradicate an entire religion of people, and then we elected them into power? Like it, it's so crazy to fathom that this is who's in power your terrorist organization so now it's you know free palestine yeah free free the innocent civilians but remove the people who are running the terrorist organization from power they're taking all the money they're building terror tunnels instead of you know transportation or buildings or safe spaces or bomb shelters if we're gonna you know enter into a war and there have been several videos released of proof that hamas is using civilian buildings hospitals schools uh you know office buildings as their military bases they don't have designated military bases they're using civilian you know areas as shelter for them there have been uh you know, several videos showing that, you know, the the IDF, the, the Israeli Defense Force, by the way, it's the Israeli Defense Force because they're used to being on the defensive. They're not an aggressive military, um, you know, going in and they're saying like, hey, look, we're in a school and look at all these rocket launchers over here. And, you know, we're in a hospital and, you know, there have been conclusive videos coming out where doctors even in Palestine have said or in the Gaza Strip, have said uh, the terrorists that were responsible for October 7th are hiding in the hospital. 
and they have their weapons in the hospital and they're hoarding fuel for rockets instead of generating, you know, using that for their city and for the people. So it's, it's hard to fathom billionaires being responsible for this state, leaving their people poor and vulnerable and telling them to stay, even when Israel's telling them to evacuate. Hey, we're going to blow this building up. You have 24 hours to leave. No other army in the world does that. No other military. Because they don't, they want to minimize civilian casualties. And that's, you know, it's it's admirable. But, you know, it's it's coming to a point where no matter what Israel does, it feels like we're going to be blamed. It is really scary to see the hate and you know the the vile things being said about Jews because they're you know retaliating for probably one of the most egregious atrocities that has happened in our lifetime that you know and though definitely the most disgusting and deplorable thing that has happened to the Jewish people since the Holocaust yes oh my god um this sounds very, very ignorant coming from, you know, a little girl from a little girl from Guyana. I thought up until, you know, not recent events, maybe like a year or so ago, that, you know, at the Holocaust have done. Like I thought that that was it. And it's just like, you know, learning all of this is so overwhelming and it's so heartbreaking uh and like the biggest question is just like why (laughs) it's a great it's a great question and i wish i had an answer for you um there's a lot of speculation as to why people hate the jews um you know i saw a video today some kid in china was saying that he hates jews because jews run the world you know we are such a minority (laughs) Like not even one percent. We are like zero zero two percent of the population. It is you guys have to have a defense army. Like yeah, it is the Israeli defense force, and it breaks my heart because you know having uh, you know being Jewish is so important to me, and and having a Jewish family and raising Jewish children, and what's the world going to be like? You know, is it safe? Is it something that we're going to have to hide? And uh, I saw a meme the other day and it said, our friend groups are now discussing, you know, would you hide us if there was a Holocaust? And the truth is, you know, as much as we'd like to think it couldn't happen again and it wouldn't happen here, uh, I saw Holocaust 2.0 written on a college campus the other day and death to all Jews and gas the Jews and Hitler was right. And, you know, just deplorable things being said and written. And some keyboard warrior at Cornell talked about shooting up the Jewish lunch hall. It's tragic. Um, you know, there was a woman who drove her car into a school thinking it was a Jewish school. There's a woman murdered in France and a swastika, you know, drawn on her door. It's heartbreaking. Um, you know, I am 
scared. I am. I don't want to say that I'm not. I wear, um, you know, right now I'm wearing three. I was wearing four all weekend Jewish necklaces. I have the Shema written on my neck, which is a Jewish prayer said at least twice a day. Um, it's Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Elchad, which means Hero Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. I have a Star of David, and I have a Hamsa that says Achad, one um, for unity with an evil eye on it. And, you know, a few people have tried to tell me that I should take them off, that I make myself a target. You know, I, I really shouldn't expose that and kind of blend in. But if I do that and I live in fear, they win. And, you know, it's I, I, I told you that I had someone come up to me and, and multiple people have said, thank you for being brave enough to wear that. I've taken mine off. And it's heartbreaking. And since I am brave enough to wear it, when you know brave doesn't mean you're not scared, it, you know you can be scared and do it anyway. I'm gonna wear it. And I think about it. You know, I wouldn't let my kid wear it. Wow. I, I you know, it's, there's there's a difference here. I know Jewish moms who tell their boys to take their yarmulkes off when they're walking outside of school. I know someone in the legal industry who always wore a yarmulke at every conference. He always had it on him. I saw him two weeks ago. He wasn't wearing it. Wow. It's, you know, why do we have to hide again? Why are we being attacked at peaceful protests? Why, you know, are, you know, should we be afraid to speak out and stand up? Because everyone saying anti-Zionism isn't anti-Semitism isn't understanding that I'm not in Israel. Like, Boca is in Israel, and there was just a violent protest here. California is in Israel, and a Jewish man was hit in the head and died at a protest. And, like, we're not there. You could disagree with a government, but you don't have to hate every single person. Gosh. That is Jewish. I mean, it's outlandish and i know that sounds like common sense it does it sounds like oh my god i could disagree with this action that the government's taking and not want to eradicate every single jewish person there were millions of arabs living in israel millions peacefully you know who's not protest protesting israel the arabs living in israel they live peacefully they have access to everything that the jews living there have and you know it is a magical place. It truly is a magical place. I can't even describe what it was like being there. And it's so unfortunate that, you know, it's it's consistently scrutinized and under attack. Yeah. Yeah, my mom, my mom and I, we've been planning a trip to Israel. It's like her dream spot to go. Yeah, like all the flight books and everything for November months. And yeah, that that didn't happen. But that's like her number one dream is just to like walk where Jesus walked. And, you know, Jesus was a Jew. And, you know, it just like, do you think, do you think that's why so many people have are so many people are anti-semitic is do you think that it boils down to that one foundation like gotta gotta hope that i mean like you mean because like jesus was a jew like like, like that, that like the whole 
like that idea just popped in my head like and that's you know kind of where some of this started from that might be a bad question or but I honestly like I've never thought about it I I don't know I know that Christians and Jews live peacefully in Israel and that it's even though it's a Jewish state that it's not just Jewish it is really like all religions are welcome all cultures are welcome it's a peaceful place it's the only place in the Middle East where you could be LGBTQ plus yeah whatever yeah. it it's the only democratic state it's the only one that is truly like a tolerant country so when i see these signs queer for palestine it they would behead you they would push you off a building wow. i would kill you in a second like honor killings are okay there uh you know raping your wife is okay there women can't go out without an escort there like not even talking about like human rights violations and you know all of this stuff like it's crazy for a society that is so politically correct and will voice everything. They'll talk about, you know, women's rights and gay rights and black rights. And you you have nothing in those countries. You yeah. have nothing. They don't even know what they're, they're protesting for. I, I, I was saying, like, I'll buy all your tickets. If you are gay and you are stand for Gaza and Palestine and, and that is the side that you are taking, I will pay for your flight. I will figure it out, but I will pay for you to go where you feel you should be. It will be the rudest awakening. It's they have the one of the biggest, most beautiful gay pride parades in Israel. It is like the craziest thing to see. It's awesome. It's like being in San Francisco. Like you could go and express yourself and be. It's not, you know, a bunch of Orthodox Jews just hanging out all day. It they're people. You know, it's you and I could go there and, you know, have a coffee and hang out and you don't have to hide anything and who you are. They're incredibly tolerant. Mm -hmm. So it's unfortunate people don't see that. And most of the people taking a side here have never been there. Yeah. They've never read a book about it. They don't, you know, they don't have any connection or ties to it. Yeah. That actually leads me to my next question really perfectly. Um I've, from your perspective, like, I know we touched on this, but what role do you see the media playing in shaping this public understanding of these events in Gaza? And, you know, I I know that you just kind of touched on them, but I think there's a lot of aspects here that are overlooked. Like, it's a huge point right there. I think a lot of it depends on where you get your, you know, news from. I think that, you know, someone who's pro-Palestinian and on the side of Hamas here and thinks that, you know, this terrorist act was justified because they're using the words occupy and genocide and, you know, colonizer, anyone who's who's taking that stance. I think the social media algorithm is really great at feeding that fuel of that fire and they're showing you one side. And I'm not going to lie, I open my Instagram, I open social media, I open the news, and I'm seeing, you know, Jew Jewish pride parades. I'm seeing the march in Washington today where there are hundreds, thousands of people marching for peace. And, you know, I I look at the media and I'm seeing 
you know, facts and maps and chronological dates of the land split and the peace treaties that were rejected. And Bill Clinton himself, you know, giving a talk that said, I busted my butt to try and have a peace deal in place and two state solution. And Palestinians kept rejecting it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, the media will show you what you want it to. And we can see um, a perfect example is the New York Times when the hospital was allegedly bombed. You know, it's like, okay. Uh, the hospital in Palestine? Correct. The hospital in Gaza. So mm-hmm. when the hospital was allegedly bombed, before there were any, you know, conclusive facts or videos or, or what have you, um, Hamas released that a rocket hit the hospital, Israel fired the rocket, and there were 500 dead. You know how long it's taken people to identify bodies from October 7th? So over a month ago, we're still counting and finding bodies. But within a few minutes or hours, they knew 500 conclusive people had died in this hospital and Israel fired the rocket. So the New York Times ran with it, published this, villainized Israel. How dare Israel hit a hospital target? By the way, never mentioned that in that exact hospital that we're talking about, there were weapons stored there from Hamas. There's fuel stored there. There's, you know, uh, Hamas terror leaders hiding out there. But let's digress because Israel didn't fire the rocket. It was a misfired rocket from Hamas in Gaza. And there's video, there's video footage of the rocket being misfired and landing in Gaza. Actually, of the thousands of rockets fired at Israel, a percentage of those land short and they've bombed their own civilians. More than this. So this rocket that immediately was blasted all over the media, claiming Israel, it's a war crime, they're targeting hospitals and civilians, didn't even fire that rocket. But they did actually call to evacuate that hospital a month ago because they knew that that hospital was being used to store Hamas uh, military you know, weapons. So that hospital should have been evacuated. It wasn't because Hamas has told all their people to stay and ignore Israel's warning, be a martyr, die for the cause, etc., which is horrific. But what do you expect from the terror organization that uses suicide bombers? They've been dying for their cause. Now, when that article and the facts that it wasn't fired by Israel, um, you know, came out, rather than issuing a new article, they've slowly changed the headlines. So I think that we are manipulated by the media and it depends on where you get your media and how, you know, what happens after it's already, the well is already poisoned because there are people who still don't know that that rocket wasn't fired by Israel. There are people who still don't understand that it was a misfired rocket from Hamas and it didn't even hit the hospital at the parking lot. <laughs> so like 500 people didn't die. Now there are, there are thousands of people that have died in, in Gaza. There are like, it is war. I'm not trying to say that innocent children and, and families and, and innocent civilians aren't dying because they are. It's sad. It's horrific. The loss on both sides is horrific. One of my, you know, really good friend's cousins, um, you know, died in the army. He was, you know, hit by an anti-tank missile, uh, you know, 22 years old, an American Israeli. It hits home. I think every Jewish person I know is either directly connected or one degree away from someone personally affected by what happened on October 7th and has been happening for the last month. So everyone I, I talk to, it's 
that was my aunt's, you know, best friend. That was my cousin. That was my cousin's cousin. That was, and it's like the Jewish network. We joke, we play Jewish geography. You know, it's like, oh, you're Jewish, do you know, so-and-so. And like, I went to camp with her. It's so intertwined because it's so small that we're hurting. We're, we're, we're struggling and suffering and I don't know a single Jewish person who has been living like life is normal for the last month. It's heavy. It's very heavy. Um, yeah. Looking, looking ahead at we are now and, you know, as time evolves, like, how, how what do you think are crucial steps for fostering a more peaceful and stable situation in the region. I don't think we're going to get anywhere until the hostages are released and Hamas is gone. I really like, I don't want to see more life lost. I don't, I don't want to see it on either side. It's inevitable. Um, You know, the Israeli army sent troops into Gaza to try and, you know, recover some hostages without, you know, bombing and just and, and kind of do a more strategic, uh, you know, t- attack. And all of them died. Like they lost an entire unit of young men. And you look at them and they're, you know, men in their early 20s and they had so much life ahead of them. And they were, you know, they, they were proud to fight for their country and one of them had a, a note on his body that said I know what I'm doing I know you know this I might not come home but I would die defending my homeland and my people so it's it's tragic and it's like you know I think because the numbers are not as great on the you know death toll of the, of the Jews in Israel and the majority now has surpassed and and there's apparently you know a lot there but like the numbers are showing greater palestinian deaths people think that the war is you know unfair or uncalled for but like we didn't pick this fight if i picked a fight with a bigger kid and it kicked my ass well i'd pick that fight you know i was it's it's unfortunate but how do you how do you back down without eradicating a problem Hamas's charter is death to all Jews. It's not, you know, have a free state of Palestine. It's it's get rid of all the Jews and take their land. And 50% of all Jews live in Israel. Like, I don't think people really understand that. Mm-hmm. That, you know, of all of the Jews in the world, about 50% of them live in a country the size of New Jersey. <laughs> it's not very big. Mm-hmm. It's and it's surrounded by Arab countries. It's surrounded by Arab countries that won't take any Palestinian refugees. By the way, you know the border the border of Gaza and Egypt. It'd be really easy for Egypt to say, "Hey, all of you evacuating Palestinians, come seek safety and refuge in our country." But the Palestinian people have notoriously been uh, disruptive and violent to whatever government they're you know, living under. And they started wars in Jordan and, you know, PLOs have have attacked 
you know, in Iran, they don't want them because now it works to their advantage. If we leave them in Gaza and Israel continues attacking Gaza to eradicate Hamas, we get to villainize Israel further for killing civilians. But none of them are taking the civilians to save them, and those are all Arab countries. Jews can't even go to most of those countries with an Israeli passport or an Israeli stamp in their passport. So really, who is the persecuted group? Because you can enter Israel with a Palestinian passport. You have to go through checks and security and just like going through customs. But you can enter the state. But Israel, Israeli citizens and Jews with Israeli stamps in their passport cannot enter most of those Middle Eastern Arab countries. Wow. I would have to get a new passport before I could visit most of them. Wow. Yeah. It's not talked about. It's not well known. It's, you know, there's a lot of ignorance here. And I think a lot of the hate comes from ignorance. I don't really think people understand what they're saying. I, you know, I, I think the majority of college age protesters don't know what an intifada is or, you know, what from the river to the sea means. I don't think they, you know, we have Holocaust deniers. You know, they could go visit concentration camps, but there are people who still say the Holocaust didn't exist. You can't fix that. No, you can't. That's you can't legislate against stupidity. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, there are people I want. I want to shake the stupid out of them, but you can't do it. You can't do that. You can't do that. But it all goes back to like your point. It's how they were raised, right? Exactly. Like, so, when you, what do you do? Yeah. This. This is what you can do. You just share and speak your truth and and share it with people as you can because the more people that are suppressed, and I'm so thankful that you came on, but we need more demons in the world. Like, if people just stop talking and stop sharing. I think, I think you know that I have Palestinian friends or acquaintances and you work in an environment where you know they they exist and for the most part I'd say a handful of them have handled this well factually uh sensitively to both sides you know expressing that you know innocent civilians on on either side shouldn't have been fair game what happened on October October 7th is a tragedy they denounce Hamas they denounce terror they announce attacking civilians and beheading babies and raping girls. Yeah. But then there are some that didn't wait for the dust to settle and were dancing and parading in the streets and, you know, chanting, chanting from the river to the sea by any means necessary. And I'm sorry, by any means necessary, if you can justify the cutting out of a fetus from a pregnant woman's stomach and beheading the baby and leaving it dangling from the mother's body. If you could justify raping a child in front of her parents, if you can justify mass murder of 240 peace attendees of a music conference or music con- music festival, if you can justify those atrocities, to me, you're not innocent. If when they're parading a half-naked woman's dead body and you are parading through the street, lining up to spit on it or hit it or mutilate it in some way, 
if you were an innocent civilian and didn't go over and cause the attack or participate in the attack, but you paraded in a celebratory fashion over what happened, you're not innocent. To me, you are just as bad as the person who pulled the trigger because you are rejoicing in the death and loss of innocent life. Where are the babies? What? They killed a Holocaust survivor. Like, they abducted a Holocaust survivor. They take a grandma. What do you need with a freaking grandma? You didn't abduct military service members. You took babies. Babies, a few months old. It destroys me. I'm honestly, I'm glad I'm not crying right now. I, I cry every day. I sit and I look at videos and I cry every day. And I can't get, can't get off Instagram. I can't get off, you know, social media. I can't stop getting videos get text messages by friends in Israel, it's so much worse than you could even imagine. Could you, they had to hold a press conference where they invited media outlets to watch the live footage that was videoed by Hamas, by the way, like they had to watch because they kept saying it didn't happen. They kept saying, oh, that's, it wasn't that bad. That's not what happened. There weren't 40 beheaded babies. Only only a handful of them were beheaded, but there were 40 dead infants. But like, no. They had to fill a room and play video of what happened on that day so the world would say, oh, it really did happen. And there were still people who say it didn't. It's wild. Wild. I'm speechless. Like I'm speechless. It's you, you can just boil it down to it's just ignorance at the end of the day. Ignorance, it's hate, it's anger, it's sadness, it's it, it's brainwashing, it's it's truly believing in something to the point where you can justify terror. Yeah. It yeah. It, so it sounds like, and and what it was what you're saying, you're not saying Palestinian people are bad. That's no the, that you're getting across at all. It is this small terrorist group that is population of people. They're indoctrinating them. They're feeding with propaganda. They're raising this army of people to think a certain way and it's this core small group of people that need to be taken out so think about north korea and like you know how how north korea is run and you're you know you're taught one way and you're insulated and you're this is it you pledge allegiance to north korea and the military and if you deviate at all you're killed like it's it's like this is what you're taught from the second you're born. Pledge allegiance to North Korea and Kim Jong-un. Like, it's it's that way and only that way. Yeah. If they were born anywhere else, those people would all be different. They would think differently. They'd believe differently. They'd feel differently. But yeah. they're not. So now if you're born into a country that's run by a terrorist organization that teaches you to fight an enemy, whether you, you're, and you're only provided one way of thinking mm -hmm. and you're not 
There's there's no alternative. This is what you do. You're brought up to, to be a soldier. They're screwed from the start. There's no way to combat that. Yeah. So like right now, well, no, I, I can't say all Muslims. I can't say all Palestinians. I can't make a gross generalization. I'm a Lebanese Jew who has Muslim cousins, like yeah. first cousins. Like, you know, my family my, was Jewish. My dad married, you know, a, a Jewish woman. My mother, I was born. I'm Jewish. That's how that works. My brother Jewish. His brother, you know, married a Catholic woman. You know, they're both Catholic. You know, the other one married a Muslim woman. They had Muslim kids. Like, you know, I have first cousins of the, you know, the three major dominant religions. Like, it's, I, I don't think they want to kill me. You know, I, I don't, I don't think they're the enemy. Yeah. I told you, I, I went to a Palestinian village. I was very, very fortunate. I had a friend who lived in Israel who studied Arabic. And during Ramadan, you know, we went and visited a Palestinian family. They made a beautiful meal. They were invited there. I was respectful. I covered my hair. And when I got there in Arabic, he said something to his friend. He didn't know what he said, but his friend walked over to me and shook my hand. Now, Orthodox people on both sides do not touch uh, a member of the opposite sex. You know, Orthodox women... And men don't shake hands, they don't hump, they don't kiss um, in Judaism. And it's the same in, uh, you know, Islam, you know, they, they don't touch. But I found out when I left, I asked my friend and what he had said was she's Western and might not know our culture, make her feel welcome and shake her hand. So it was more important to them that I feel welcome in their home. Yeah. Then, you know, he upholds his high religious standards yeah and i would have understood but he didn't know that and it to me it was something beautiful like they made sure they wanted me to feel included and, and be a welcome in their home and you know it, it's something that like I, I i hold with me now and that's not everyone's experience and obviously we see bad you know happen in this world and we see bad happen here um you know, i do i do think that the media you know portrays you know a certain amount of danger to, to represent fear and keep people afraid. People are easier to control when they're scared. Mm -hmm. I had a friend who came here from China and she's like, my mom told me not to come here, that there's shootings every day and mass shootings that I'm going to die. And, you know, gun violence is so crazy. And my friend says in Canada, they're like, oh, I don't know why to stay. Like, hey, no. <laughs> because when you turn on the news, it's all horrific. It's all horrific. It's Or Mexico. Yeah, for yeah. It lives exactly. not to Mexico. It, it's, it's easy to control people with fear. And yeah, you they're like, oh, the cartels are everywhere. And you know, I went to Cabo, I felt so safe. Like so it's it's um, you know, going back to the question about the media, it's they want you to see the worst because that's what invokes emotion. Mm -hmm. And then when you have an extreme emotion, you're easier you know, to be manipulated. It's screwed up. I'm going to, you know, sound like a conspiracy theorist here, but, you know, we see it with Disney. Every Disney movie starts with some tragedy. You know, a father dies, a mother dies, the kids are orphaned, you know, there's some huge catastrophic, you know, kidnapping or loss or yeah. horrific thing that breaks down your guard and then you're malleable. You're like, oh, let me, you know, just 
blindly follow now, looking for some semblance of joy. They can feel it. Oh, we're all here, glued to our phones, glued to the TVs, glued to the news, looking for some semblance of joy. Yeah. And I have I have dozens of friends marching in, in uh, Washington, D.C. right now today for peace. And I can see these beautiful videos of dancing and singing Hatikva, which is the Israeli national anthem. And just it looks very different. And I'm sure that I don't see all of the protests on the Palestinian side, but the clips that I do see turn violent and aggressive. And on Veterans Day, we saw Palestinian protesters ripping down the United States flag, like not an Israeli flag, but destruction of the representation of America in America on Veterans Day. And it's like, you know, why? Stand up for what you believe. But you have to be aggressive or angry and you don't have to cause destruction or or threaten an entire country of people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You keep on saying from the river to the sea. You educate us on what exactly that means. Well, eh. So... From the river to the sea uh, would be the border, you know, the borders of Israel, and they it is the Palestinian um, chant from you know the, from Gaza and, and Hamas that means eradicating all of Jews and and Israel, uh, the entire state from the river to the sea that to make it all uh, the Arab state of Palestine. No two state solution. They would like the entire landmass to be theirs. Um, you know that is the most common chant that I've that I've heard. Uh, you know we heard some chants on college campuses that have you know said uh, Israel's committing genocide, uh, committed Jewish genocide. You know I've heard gas the Jews. Hitler was right. Just absolutely horrendously heinous things to say out loud and. And when people are chanting and and supporting river to the sea, that's what they're meaning is to eradicate Israel. That's what the that's what the that's what the quote means. I don't think that every person who's saying it understands that. We've talked a lot about ignorance here. It is. I refer to the Gen Z and millennial generation. I'm not even sure if the kids in college now are Gen Z. I, is there is there something after that? Like whatever it is, the youth of our country is willfully ignorant. I guess they, they, they don't, they don't, um, they choose not to know. I don't think any of them ever really looked it up. It's just They're so, in my opinion, don't get offended, you guys, if you're listening, but I'm pretty sure they're not. Like, they're so self-absorbed. It's the generation of self. It's, it's trendy to be a social justice warrior, but what of justice are you on? Yeah. And it's one thing to like, you know, condemn Hamas, which is a terrorist organization identified around the world as a terrorist organization. Yeah. And it's like you could condemn Hamas. You could weep for civilians on both sides. You could cause for the freeing of hostages, which, by the way, is like such a miter blip coming out of anyone's mouth. Like, I don't hear anyone who say ceasefire say release the hostages. Oh, and hey, terror organization, how about you surrender and save the people? Like, 
why are we letting them be in charge and in power? And why would we ever think that if there is a ceasefire, it would hold? Mm-hmm. Don agreed and held, upheld any of the previous ceasefires. I'll reiterate, the morning of October 7th, there was a ceasefire in place. There was one. It was broken. It was broken in a horrifically gruesome and a horrific way. So why would we enter into another one? We would give them a chance to re-up and restock and refuel and then just continue to send a barrage of rockets at Israel. Is there not like a strategy to just go after the leaders of Hamas that are just chilling over and where where did you I'm pretty sure they're in Qatar. But like I, I yeah, you know, I I don't know. I'm not a military expert. I'd love to say, great, let's hunt them down and find them like we did, you know, Saddam Hussein. And, you know, I, I don't know. But if they're using, if if Israel is targeting military weapons and their rocket launchers, but they're using a hospital building to launch the rockets from, isn't that a catch-22? Oh, blow up your military base if your military base doubles as your hospital. I can't blow up your military base if it doubles as a preschool. So whereas Israel is trying to protect their civilians, investing in the Iron Dome and investing in their military and, again, like the bomb shelters all over the country and using strategic planning to protect their people, Hamas is known for using people to protect their weapons because Israel is a humane army that wants to limit civilian casualties. They drop what's called like a knock-knock bomb. It's like, hey... This is a warning. We're going to blow this building up. Leave. And then Hamas says, no, be a martyr. Stay. And they're either afraid of Hamas because the Hamas was apparently, and I say apparently because I'm not there. This is what my news is reflecting for me, shooting at civilians that were trying to vacate. So they're like, damned if they do and damned if they don't. So what does Israel do? You, like... It's it's really just a screwed up situation. And the villain here is the terror organization. It's not the Palestinian civilians. I mean, I'm sure that like, I'm not sure, but I would love to assume that they didn't realize the reign of terror that would come from electing the terrorist organization to run their country. But also like, it's not Israel because they didn't start this war or any of the wars. It was, you know, a, a retaliatory experience and now how do you let up without eradicating the villain mm-hmm. and with the hostages like i i literally cannot stop visualizing his little boy and his brother and his parents who were all abducted and their grandparents and then you've got the mom with the twin girls that were kidnapped and like where are the kids where are the women here are the men why, why, why take a, a few months old baby? What the fuck are you doing? Sorry, I made it this long without cursing. I really did. I tried. Just like, I was waiting for you to swear on us. I, I, I was jumping back so, out. I was doing so well. But like, uh, reach a point where it's like, okay, enough is enough. Where are the kids? Where are the hostages? Free the hostages. And then maybe we can discuss, you know, some semblance of peace. But where... Where were the hostages? Well, Dina, thank you so much for your time and for your um, transparency and and 
you know, I really saw your heart today. And I think everybody who is going to listen to this is also going to see your heart as speaking um, your truth. And from me speaking for me, I just have such a clear understanding on what the whole situation is. So thank you for taking me through that and uh, and also our listeners. So is there anything else that's on your heart before we wrap this up that you would like to share? If people want to reach out to you, how can they how can they get connected with you? Um yeah, thank you, Amy. My heart is broken and I feel immense sadness and I read somewhere I didn't know that you could miss 249 people that you never met and it's true I miss them I love them I care about everybody in Israel I care about everyone who's suffering because of what's going on so much and um, I don't know how if this is posted if there's like a comment section you can put my contact information if anyone wants to talk about it um, you know if you can have a respectful and peaceful conversation uh, rather than an argument and you want to express your opinions and your side, I'm open to it. Um, you know, I, if you just want to grieve and be sad together and, you know, talk about your feelings, I'm there too. I'm open to that as well. Um, you know, I, I can, if I, is that an, a, an option? Can I like leave my phone number in the comment section? Okay, cool. So once it's posted, um, you know, I'll, I'll put my information there and feel free to reach out. Yeah. All right. Well, once again, thank you so much, Tina. I love you. And I love this conversation. So um, with that being said, you guys, thank you so much for your time. For those of you that um, chose to chime in, um, please share this podcast. Um, share it with your friends and share it with other people that you know that would like to further their education and understanding on this topic. It's important um, the thing that we said before today is if we stop talking and stop sharing truth, that's what terrorist groups win. And um, it's important. So thank you guys.